This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks, and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome my friend and colleague, Barney Desmasri, back to the podcast today. Barney is skills and shows editor on our sister title, BBC Good Food, and as well as being a brilliant recipe writer and cook, he's also a super keen forager. I really wanted to get you on today, Barney, as you always talk about foraging in such a passionate but also really practical way, and you make me feel like it's achievable, even to a complete beginner like me. Thank you very much, Janine. No, I, I absolutely love foraging. It's something I've been doing for nearly 30 years, but I must emphasise I'm a happy amateur. Um, you know, I, it, it's something that... I enjoy doing when, when I'm in the countryside and hopefully I'll be able to give you lots of information from my past experience yeah. um, and from the books that I've read because I'm, I'm a bit geeky when I come about these things. I've, I've got, you know, I've got lots of books on foraging. I take them to bed with me. I, I like to find out more. It's like one of those one of those interests which, which I'm just really, yeah, really thirsty to learn yeah. more about. And that's what that's why I wanted you on because I think, you know, having that anecdotal um experience and evidence and the fact that you're out there kind of doing it you know I know you go on holiday and go foraging and I, I love that like getting it from that angle but um first of all can you just tell us how you became interested in foraging because as you said it's been it's been a long time for you hasn't it there are three things really first when I was 20 I worked in a posh restaurant in a small village in the southwest of France where foraging was just part of uh, it was part of your kitchen duties it was mm. normal practice and it's here it was the first time I really made the connection between um so I'd been to catering college. I then got this apprenticeship in France. And I'd never, it sounds obvious, but until you 
pick something yeah. and then actually see it on a plate and go out to a restaurant. It's where, where I made a real connection. And as well as chopping the vegetables and all the other normal kitchen tasks mm-hmm. that you had at this restaurant, foraging um, was was one of the kitchen tasks. Foraging and picking uh, picking fruit and vegetables from the kitchen garden were 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 two of the tasks and it was incredible to see something that was in a field or a forest a few hours before end up on a on a plate of food yeah. that was going out into a very fancy dining room um also foraged foods that we you know the food we were picking is free and uh, restaurant margins are, are, are famously tight yeah. so the food we'd make for staff would often be um would often be based on forage foods and so things like dandelion salads, nettle soups. They would go out to the staff meal. And I often felt that a lot of that food had more heart than these tweezers yeah. plates of food that were going out to the main dining room. Um, when I came back to London, I also worked for a very groundbreaking chef, a, a guy called Adam Robinson. I don't know if many people remember him. This was about 30 years ago. But he was making sourdough. He was fermenting. His food was hyper-seasonal. Mm-hmm. And part of that was uh, that there'd be... Uh, a grower and a forager would come into London once a week with whatever was good and whatever was seasonal. And that's where I really, really fell in love with wild mushrooms. This yeah. person really knew their mushrooms. And during mushroom season, it, to be honest, they just dominate the menu. And, and it's where I really fell in love with them. Um, and then, you know, we all have people who who sort of, not affect, who, who, who resonate with us in, yeah. in our past. Um, and there was this, this guy called Clive. He was, was my future mother-in-law's boyfriend at the time. It's when I started going to Wales, which is where um, I do a lot of my forages, where, where, where I spend my time in the countryside. And this guy, he was the real deal, sort of Danny Champion of the World poacher. When he wasn't shooting, he was, when he wasn't shooting, he was fishing. And when he wasn't fishing, he was, he was <laughs> shooting. And he used to send me back to London to this restaurant that I was talking yeah. about. With wild salmon, with watercress, with wild duck, and um, my mother-in-law would get credit at the at the restaurant. Wow. But again, I even though there wasn't that much foraging involved with Clive, I really saw a connection between where food was coming from, mm. seasonality, and how it ended up on the plate. Yeah. And and it, it, it's that sense of place. The French call it terroir. It's that sense of place. It's that sense of season, which I find really. Interesting it's in, in, in this it, yeah. in, in in a world where things are moving fast, where where where, where, where everything's quite global, where certain produce is being cooked all year round. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing which still really has hyper seasonality, which which is you know <clears throat> mushrooms you can't control their so wild mushrooms you can't control their seasons, and really still has a, a huge sense mm-hmm. of place. And it sounds like. You know, from what you said, it is a, a, a big rabbit hole that you can go down, yeah. and, and you did. Um, <laughs> but let's start with a, a few basics, um, some general do's and don'ts. Yeah. So for people who are starting out on their foraging journey, what are the most, do you think, important safety and ethical guidelines that you should be holding in your head? So ethically, there are lots of, I think, to be honest, they all make perfect sense. Yeah. So ethically, you should always have the landowner's permission Never pick more than you need. Something I'll talk about later. Remember, you know, nature relies on what you're picking as yeah. much as as much as you do. Don't be greedy. It's not what it's about, you know. Um, but most of all, and I can't emphasize this enough, never, ever, ever eat anything you're not confident about. Mm. Uh, there are common plants out there that will kill you, not just kill, they'll kill you painfully, and they, they don't have a cure. Hemlock, which looks like it could be wild parsley or celery, um, it's part of the, the deadly nightshade, and it, it's deadly. I mean, even even when you know what something is, so if, even if it's easy to identify something like wild garlic, mm. and you you pick to you you pick it up and you uh, 
you pick lots of it and you don't go through it. There are there are other plants out there like dog mercury or uh, cuckoo's pipe, which if you blitz them into your pesto or mm-hmm. you haven't sorted them through, they're going to make you really ill. Yeah. They're really toxic. Yeah. So, um, you know, that would be my main do or don't. As a, be respectful. Make sure you're, 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 you're foraging somewhere you have permission. Mm. There are other things like never dig up plants. If, you're, you know, if you do have permission or if it's common land, you don't want to dig up plants. You need to give the plants a chance to, to, yeah. to, to come back the following year. So, you know, trim away, but, but just be respectful. Don't be greedy. It's not, about, it's, not mm. about, uh, it's not about feeding yourself for life. It's not about sustenance. It's about having a taste of the wild or it's about identifying things. Yeah. So when you're picking, I mean, practically, I'm yeah. just thinking you, you've got a plant in front yeah. of you. You've got, what, a pair of little scissors? Are you just taking a bit off the top, the so side? It, it depends what you're, it depends yeah. what you're picking. So okay. with something like wild garlic, it depends what part of the plant you're picking. Okay. So if, you, yeah, if, you're, if you're just want the flowers, I find scissors, funny you should say scissors because a lot of people say, you know, forest kits they they talk about knives and yeah. taking a like a, a Swiss army knife or a, a yeah. forager's knife I actually find scissors a lot a lot more useful and a, yeah. a, a lot easier to use plus you're not going to get yourself in trouble carrying yeah, you're not going to get arrested with a pair of scissors exactly. but carrying a knife Car- carry, well there are there are rules to that yeah, yeah if, if the knife is below uh, I think it has to be Seven cent, uh, seven or eight centimeters, right. and it's and it's foldable. foldable. Then, then it's yeah, okay. these are useful things to know, though. For yeah, people, and it's you foldable. Know, yeah. Then it's okay. But still, I still find scissors even with with mushrooms with um with picking plants. I still find scissors yeah. a lot easier to use and a lot more practical. Yeah, uh, practical than a, than a knife. No, that's great. Um, so yeah, it depends on what you're picking, but never unless. With something, I'll talk about this later again, but if something like wild garlic, yeah. the roots are delicious. If something is in huge abundance, you have the, the, the you have the landowner's permission. Yeah. You want to dig a few up, maybe take a few home. But you need to bear in mind it's illegal. You know, digging up digging up wild plants is illegal. Okay. So um especially in common land. If you have the landowner's permission, it's not, but you can't just go around digging up plants. So I can't go to Hampstead Heath and dig up wild garlic. I mean I can, but I might get You can pick wild garlic, you can't dig it's actually okay. illegal to, to, to dig Again, the roots. Brilliant yeah, information. To, I had I had no yeah, idea. To dig, dig the roots. Yeah. And then there's something like primrose, which are which are a beautiful flower, mm. which come out in spring, which are actually delicious. You see them cultivated for a lot of salads when people have edible flowers. Yeah. Um and they used to be in abundance all over the roadside. Mm. So the first first flower delicious flower really beautiful on desserts and in salads they're they're meant to be really good for anxiety as well because of their um their depleting numbers they're illegal to pick wow yeah yeah Yeah. really fascinating stuff It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. 
You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier. Thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Let's armchair visit some typical places where you can forage successfully. I know that you're a big fan of coastal foraging, Bonnie, because I've seen on your Instagram feed, you go to Wales a lot. You've got friends down there who who love going down. Tell us a bit about that. The best thing about coastal foraging is there isn't a type of British seaweed that's poisonous. Okay. So, um, I mean, there are varying degrees of of cooking that that, that you need to do to them, but there's nothing in the... As long as the water's fine, uh, which is a rather contentious uh, point point (laughs) at the moment, but as long as they're, you know, as as, as long as you're not picking from polluted waters there isn't anything in there there aren't any form of sea plants uh in the uk that are poisonous which is brilliant you can actually literally take anything you want and use it with an expert by your side in pristine waters then freshly picked cockles or mussels or if you can find them wild prawns yeah um i mean they absolutely take some some being to me it's one of my Best, best. We used to pick when I was little. We yeah. used to go to Amble, which yeah. is in Northumberland, yeah. and we would go in rock pools and we would get buckets of winkles. There you go. And then we would go home back to the caravan yeah. and we would boil them. Yeah. I mean, there were I wouldn't eat them. Like my <laughs> granddad was well into them. You get a little pin, and if you like getting it out, I think that's why they're called winkles because yeah, you winkle them. You, but they're like they were. I mean, they're yeah. they're little like snaily things, aren't they? Yeah. But, um, but I <laughs> mean, can you do that now? You can. You can still do winkles. I personally wouldn't pick the winkles. I'd pick the mussels, and I'd say. If you, so if, you, if, you, if the mussels and the cockles and the yeah. clams, if you can find them, yeah. picked from uh, picked from 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 fresh sort of oh, running sorry. water, is no, it? Yeah. Or, or picked from pristine. Uh, and again, picked from pristine rock pools and, yeah. then, and then cooked as soon as you can. Yeah, is one of the finest things that yeah. there are to eat. It's, it's pure. It's as I said before. It's, it's it's a sense of place. It just it just they yeah. just they just tasted. And the you soup. know it's alive because it's clinging to the rock kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. got the but it's you, got the strength to be able to. Cling. Yeah, but you know, for, for for commercially, they still need to be treated, and they're they're treated with. Um, it with uh, infrared, not infrared. Uh, sorry, I don't even know what they treat, but they're they're light treated. So you still need an expert. You still need to yeah. know that the waters are clear. I'm not going to start telling people to go and just pick pick mussels, but you know there are people out when when I'm picking mussels with my my expert friend Craig. There are other people out there picking them off the rocks yeah. and, and, and and taking them home. I love that. Yeah. Brilliant. Plant wise, I think the things that become popular are things that taste good. So I lo- absolutely love marsh. Samphire. Nice, yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, we now find it in fishmongers everywhere. Samphire yeah. is just one of those. And seeing it grow is just, a, it's, it, it just makes you smile because yeah. it's something, it's not it's something you really associate, but when it's in abundance, yeah. it's in a, it is as far as the eye can see. Wow. It is just beautiful. And then there's another, uh, there's a lovely seaweed called pepper dulse that's the closest thing I've ever tasted to a black truffle that isn't a truffle, hence it also being known as sea truffle. Uh, and then on the coastal paths, there's things like sea beets and sea radish. And I think the things with sea beets and sea radish, they're available all year round. Yeah. So coastally, you know, coastal compared to, to to hedgerow, there's as long as as long as things are as long as the waters are clear, there's a lot less jeopardy involved. Yeah. And also, not seasonality, but the the plants that grow tend to grow all year round. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. Um, talking about hedgerow, can yeah. you? Just define hedgerow for us, because I'm always a little bit unsure what what it means. I mean, I know what a hedge is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's they're, they're verges on this. It's verge. It's it's um it's the side of fields. Yeah. It's I'd say it's anything that's not 
the woods or or coastal. When you get books on hedgerow foraging, it's everything from it. it, it, They're plants. It's plants that aren't grown in the forest. Or I mean, wild garlic's a funny one because you do find a lot of wild garlic in forests, even though you do you also find it you find it on. you find it in hedges. So hedgerow are uh, at the edges of fields, classic you know, brambles, um, things like gauze. You can eat gauze yeah. flowers. Gauze flowers taste of, um, they taste of coconut. Actually really nice. You wow. can make something really nice out of them. But I mean, one thing, so let's talk about the things people recognise. Yeah. I think there's two things that everyone recognises. You'd have to be, you know, you'd have to have grown up under a, a rock to not know what they are. And yeah. Nettles and blackberries, we all yeah, know what stinging nettles are because they're, they're, you know, it's ingrained in us not to touch yeah. them because they sting us. But I think nettles must be one of the most underused food sources in the UK. I mean, they're, they're rich in vitamin C. They're full of protein. They can be cooked just like spinach. I know people... People don't want to pick it because they, I'm scared they're st- of it. I, I, I admit I would. I love spinach, but I'm scared of picking nettles because I, I don't want to get stung. <laughs> Pair of rubber gloves, uh, a basket. As soon as you cook them, as soon as you blanch yeah. them or fry them, the sting goes, right. and they can be used in exactly the same way as spinach. We've got lovely recipes. There's a, a spanakopita. There's a there's a borat that that, that we've done with so them. anything with greens and you can just sub anything, in nettles yeah, for that. Specifically, yeah, specifically not just greens, specifically spinach. Uh-huh, so you can yeah. spot you can swap spinach for nettles, like like wow. like for like. So I make like a saga loo, but with with nettles. Wow. Um, famously is nettle soup, but in which case you just you know, you thicken it with potato. Mm. It makes a really really nice soup, but they are you know they're in abundance. No one touches them, and. Um, and they're, 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 they're as equally delicious as, as spinach. Yeah, and then blackberries. I mean, I, I again, when I was a kid, yeah. we were down picking, but I, I do remember them being quite sour. Yeah. You know, they're much sourer yeah. than you remember. Yeah. But actually my neighbour, whose garden is just wild, I mean, it's yeah. wild, wild, yeah. but the, I've reaped the rewards of that in that there's a bush overgrown our fence, which was just dangling loads yeah. and loads of blackberries. I've been picking them and having them for my breakfast. It's a good it's year for blackberries as well. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. blackberries and mushrooms seem to like the, yeah. the, the damp, warm weather we're having. Are With, there any other berries that we get on a on a yeah, they mean all the berries you get. Well, berries and currants you can yeah. find. I wouldn't advise. You know, you really need to know what you're doing because they right. can look Again, like things. They, look like they do, but yeah, yeah. Uh, red currants, um, red currants, wild strawberries you can find, wild oh, yeah, cherries. Well, yes. All these, all these plants are out. The wild cherries tend to be a, a, a lot more sour. Um, and then obviously there's slows. People make slow gin. Yeah, with. when does slow start coming in? That's got to be. Is that kind of autumn wintery? Isn't it's, it? Well, you start to see them around August. Oh, cool. But people historically don't pick them until the first frost, which is make around October, sweeter. November, yeah. because they need to split. You can cheat that by just putting them, putting them in the freezer. Oh. It depends how many other people are picking slows around where your slow patch is. Yeah. Do you need to get there first, or can you can you leave them? Do to people go? get quite sort of um, territorial about their their patches? Um, where I thing is where I go, it's so rural. Yeah, that they they don't. You do see people picking blackberries, and then some we're gonna we're gonna talk about later. But um, people don't. I find it a shame that people don't keep up this this uh, tradition of, of of doing these things. Yeah, and I I tend to say I get you know they're not going to waste because birds are eating them and yeah. and, and squirrels are eating cob nuts. But I do feel that you know you're still seen as a bit of a 
weirdy beardy kind of. <laughs> I mean, you do have a beard. <laughs> yeah, I do. Very true. But you are seen as a bit, of a, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a bit of an eccentric when yeah. you're when you're when you're out there picking oh, um, yeah. p- picking certain things. Um, but well, there's elderberries as well. Yeah. Which you know come from the elderflower trees. So you get the elder uh, elders a fantastic tree. You get the flowers, which you can make the cordial with. You can use as fritters, which are which are absolutely delicious um, really you know have such a pungent flavour to me it smells of spring and then you get um, and then you get elderberries which can be used as a you know can be used as a herbal cure for, for colds and for colds and um, flu and then there's of course there's wild garlic which yeah. seems to have gone everyone's gone crazy for isn't it yeah I mean on my it- Come March, yeah. my in- I almost want to mute my Instagram I because know. the amount of people it's like just gone making wild garlic pesto. Enough with the wild yeah. garlic pesto. Enough, please. Um, but this year, I really fell in love. I fell in love, but I really, I, I started to use the stems a lot more. Oh, okay. This was later in the year because I didn't yeah. get to Wales until uh, I got there in. I was there in late June, and all the leaves had um, died back. And I started using the stems, and the stems were beautiful. They were just, they tasted just like um, like garlic chives or like morning oh, yeah, glory nice. or something that the Americans call, which don't really see here, uh, ramps. Ramps, yeah, yeah. Like garlic ramps. And I've actually thought they were more versatile than, yeah. than, than the leaves. Okay. And I started putting them for everything. I started stir frying them. Um, What's the texture like? Has it got more of a... It's like a... Uh, it's like a really thick chive, or like, like a, a spring onion, like a spr- like a spring onion, yeah, yeah, oh, and cool. and as sort of, and I think it's it's like a spring onion with the texture of celery. It's got the flavour of a spring onion, but it's got that sort of stringy, crunchy. Uh, That'd be great te- for te- stir fries, yeah, for a, a texture of texture yeah. of celery. I like it. Uh, there's also something called pennywort, which I don't, for some reason you don't really find in um, in the books, but you find them in it, it grows in old walls. So it kind of grows in the cracks in the walls, and that's a delicious salad leaf as well. Yeah. And when that grows, that grows in abundance. That tastes like um, tastes like raw peas. Amazing. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. Um, and then on to forest, yeah. which are the place for mushrooms. Yes. And we're, and we're kind of moving into mushroom season now, aren't we? Yes. Because we're going towards the end of September. I guess yes. October is is mushroomy, or is, uh, is no? It is. It's, well? it's, it's it's well, there are mushrooms. There are mushrooms. More or less from St George's Day, which is in the spring, okay. up until up until the first frost. Yeah. But the mushrooms, which we, which are famous for being wild mushrooms, yeah. so uh, you know the the, the the I'd say the famous four, for example, your your sep or your pacini, penny buns, all known the same thing. Your chanterelle, um, your morel, and your truffle. Yeah, which are all the really really expensive really ones expensive too. ones. They are all autumnal, so they would start maybe late August yeah. and then finish late October. It's to do with the frost. The frost kills the, the mycelium, and and that's yeah. why they they stop. And they need that kind of slightly damp weather. Exactly, to... which is what global warming is bringing. So if there's one slight upside, <laughs> which I don't really think there is, <laughs> no. But for some reason, uh, mushrooms seem to be yeah. thriving. You see, every year it seems to be, and this year in particular, it seems to be an amazing year for for mushrooms. Yeah. But unless you know what you're picking. Um, mushrooms really should be a spectator sport. Even, you know, it's a bit like saying before, even with modern medicine being what it is today, you eat the wrong mushroom and you'll be very sick to extremely dead. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, you can be very sick indeed. There has been a story in the news recently, I've heard about the woman in Australia that made the family, the Beef Wellington, people don't know if she did it on purpose, what have you, but, but, you know. She killed them all. She killed a couple of people, yeah. And she said that, that, that was a, that was a, that was a set. So, but, we, but that said, that said, there are some mushrooms out there yeah. that can't really be anything else. 
So giant okay. puffball, you must have heard of giant puffball. Yeah, These things I've grow, seen them. Yeah, they grow yeah. the size of a foot, you know, bigger than a football, and they yeah. just appear out of nowhere overnight. I mean, a giant <laughs> puffball is is just that there aren't other mushrooms. So you see a giant puffball. And you know what it is. You know what it is. You are more or less safe to pick it. Okay. And you, you can cook it. Giant puffball is... You know, you, you can treat it like a steak. It's an absolutely beautiful mushroom. You can slice it, griddle it, barbecue it, fry it, dice it. It's beautiful. Uh, another mushroom which is very similar is something called a cauliflower fungus, which grows huge. Wow. Again, that can't really be um, that can't really be anything else. Um, so it's a things like so. For example, the the what were we talking about? The seps and the chanterelles. Yeah. They've got little evil cousins that look like them that you that are. Gonna so make you the, feel sep, Ill. the sep has one evil cousin that's quite rare. There is like a hard fast rule, yeah, which is avoid all mushrooms with gills, oh, okay. and you're never gonna get, you're never gonna die because right. mushrooms with tubes, yeah, like the seps have, yeah, might make you a little bit ill, but they're not gonna, they're not, they're not cool. gonna. Okay, so you, you know. You can pick something like a sep yeah. and might get a bit ill, but it's not going to it's not going to kill you. But you, I still don't want to make people ill. You still need to know, <laughs> you still need to know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but I've done my time. I, I still only and there are a ha- I mean, I, there are a handful of mushrooms that that I pick. So I'm very confident about. Yeah. So the sep being possibly the most prized mushroom after the elusive truffle. I mean, you're not going to find a truffle unless you've got a truffle dog. Or um, and then there's the chanterelle, which I found this year. Which are just beautiful. Wow. I mean, they are. I, I, they are. I, I actually prize them over a sep, to be honest. Yeah. So sep are also known in 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 the UK. The old English name for a sep is a penny bun yeah. because they're the size of a penny bun. They're also some people might know them by their Italian name, Porcini, um, and then the Latin name is uh, Belitus edulis, I think. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then there's Chanterelle, which is also known as Girol, which yeah. are like the apricot orange. Beautiful mushrooms, which hold their shape when they're cooked. They taste; they just taste nutty. They're just the one. Honestly, I think wild mushrooms are my most my most favoured food really? and everything. Oh, just because of their rarity, because their seasonality, because I can't quite put my finger on why they're so delicious. And then, I mean, they are. I mean, I'm not saying they're magic mushrooms. <laughs> there is a whole set of mushrooms which are magic for, yeah. for whole other reasons. Yeah. But we went on a mushroom picking trip we did with, with an ago, expert yeah. Yeah. together. Um, years and years ago, and I remember him explaining about how they grow. And as as you said, they will literally you can you, you don't even need to do time lapse. No. You can come back two hours later and yeah. it's grown. And that to yeah. me is just yeah. magical. It is. It's incredible. Something like the puffball will, will appear overnight. Chanterelle. That's what's quite a nice thing about chanterelle because they grow quite slowly. So if you see okay. a small one, you can come back a day or two later. Yeah. And if no one else has found it, you can. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you'll, you'll have if they a, have your gut yeah, <laughs> you'll have a bigger mushroom yeah um, but I mean as I keep on emphasising you like the, not mistakes I've made in the past but mm. this this has been my learning curve you know I I found what I thought was was an edible mushroom in a pine forest yeah um, and it looked exactly like an edible mushroom looked like an edible mushroom I checked with someone they asked me where where it had grown mm. and I said a pine forest they said no you can't eat it because if it grows under pine it's poisonous but if it grows under oak it's fine oh, so these things are so there's another mushroom called a, a parasol mushroom which is I think it's one of the most underrated mushrooms there is. Yeah. It's absolutely delicious. It looks like a, it looks like a, a judge's wig. So it's like this long. It's got this long mushroom. I actually saw one in Hammersmith, like growing out the cracks in the cracks in the pavement. <laughs> Did you pick it? No, I didn't pick. But I took a picture of it. But <laughs> the thing about like mushrooms, if, if the if the spores are under and they feel stressed, they'll yeah. they'll, they'll fruit. 
But this mushroom, you can't. You can eat it, but you can't eat it and drink alcohol because it can make you ill. So the mushroom is fine by itself, wow. but mixed with alcohol, it make you ill. So there's a lot of there's a lot of rules around there. Rules there, isn't there? Yeah. So I think, as you said at the beginning, just don't don't yeah. go there. I mean, unless you're going to go with an expert like yeah. our friend, what was he called? The mushroom, John Wright. Guy? John Wright. John Wright, who is you know, one of my favourite. You know, yeah. when it comes to cookery, when it comes to. Uh, for it, when it comes to foraging and writing, yeah. I think he's the, the the best person. And I there. think that's what's lovely is people, you know, we're saying we're we're, we're giving people a flavour of it. But if you want to go out with someone who's an absolute expert and who will who will guide you and you'll yeah. get to try things, you know, that there are so many people out there who are great at that. And we'll yeah. talk we'll talk about some of them. Yeah, later. mycologists. But these people need to be they're trained mycologists. These people yeah. these people have studied it, and we don't have a history of it in the UK. In France, I don't know if this is still the case, but I'm half French. And mm. in rural uh, pharmacies in France, you'd pay the you you'd take your bag of you take your basket of mushrooms to the pharmacy mm. you'd pay them a pound and they'd go through which ones are edible and which ones wow. aren't and then in russia in the rural parts of russia yeah. um mycology is taught alongside science in all schools yeah so all school children know which mushrooms to pick and which not because it's such a big part of their culture yeah. for a country that for for a country that has such an abundance we don't have a history of Mycology, which is the study of fungus and the study of mushrooms. Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about a few more people, sources, places people can go and look for that that information, Barney. That they they yeah. need to, you know, pick the right thing. Oh, so, so my BFF, my best foraging friend, is a very wise man called Craig Evans. Craig runs coastal foraging courses on the west coast of Wales, and though he claims to only be an expert in coastal foraging, honestly, he's cyclopedic in all the other disciplines. Um, Craig is truly the real deal. He's a man in his 60s that's been studying the same area all his life and mm. knows it like the back of his hand. Um, so that's Coastal Foraging with Craig. Yep. He's, he is, I, 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 yeah, I've never met anyone who knows more about, it's wow. not about the biodiversity, about, about the, about, um, about the marine biology, about he's not just about the food. Yeah. He's about he's about the environment. He's about how things you know, the the, the, the symbiotic relationships all these plants and animals have, uh, and plants and shellfish and and, and, and things have together. Yeah. He's fascinating. And um, for foraging and books bushcraft, there's there's a guy called Nick Weston who runs. Um, he owns Hunter Gather Cook in oh, Sussex. Yeah. I've heard of him. yeah, he came. We came from work experience to Olive, about tw- <laughs> yeah, about twenty years ago when we were we were a couple of and and to, to kind of he. Was wild-eyed then. He's been on okay. some TV programs as a wildlife expert. Yeah. But yeah, he him and his, he's got a gang of of, of, of forest pirates. They run this incredible day courses from <laughs> from that. a barn, that, and it culminates in some of the highest standards of forage food of, of cooking age. He's actually he, he's just been on. He was on MasterChef uh, Celebrity a couple of weeks back. Oh, so you, okay. you can You can watch yeah. him. Um, Nick West. I just, Bushcraft as well as foraging, yeah. but bushcraft as well. So cooking whole animals outside the, the whole, you know, the whole package. Then it's, that. it's Nick Weston. For medicinal and remedy side of things, I always refer to to a person in the Brecon Beacons called Adele Nosdar and her Hedgerow cookbook. Adele's also written a fun activity book called Foraging with Kids, which nice. you just tick things off. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about books, we've mentioned them before, but. My favourite reference with books, and as I said before, my favourite forager writer, hands down, is John Wright, who we met. And he wrote all the river cottage foraging books. So there's Coastal, there's Hedgerow, there's Mushrooms, as well as his own own award-winning book, which is The Forager's Calendar, which cleverly covers everything... 
it covers all of it. It covers um, as well as covering mushrooms and coastal and hedgerow. He breaks it down month by month. And lastly, if there's sort of if there's one book, and I think the other people I've mentioned would agree with me, which is a forager's bible, then it'd have to be Richard Maybe's Food for Free. Yeah. Which is it's a big book. You're never going to take it out with you. But it, it, it's like it, it's, it's the, the ultimate. Bible. It's yeah. the ultimate reference book. Yeah. It's not you know it, it's it's a reference book which you look things up with. But there's also a, a small pocket-sized version, yeah. a, a condensed pocket-sized version, which um, which you can take out with you as well, which Amazing. is which is really helpful. Finally, yeah. can you share with us um, what one of the most unexpected or delicious thing you've ever ate? So I'm going to sound like I'm fanboying now, but this, this does go back to Craig as well because I think the first time I went out with him, I'd never I'd never picked. Um, shellfish from from rocks and eating them meters away from where I'd cooked them yeah and it, it was honestly it was a moment of epiphany it was a rare day of sunshine in Wales because I mean that in itself was something to celebrate we'd been out all day I was absolutely famished and all of a sudden it just it made sense this food, I mean it's it's those moments have you ever had you've, have you ever had vegetables literally pulled up from the earth and 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 and, and cooked for you they there you it's something you can't put your finger on yeah. there's something that there is there isn't there is an x factor to just how delicious they are yeah. there is something else to them and it just it just just occurred to me that it, However, you know, whatever table you sit at, whatever environment you're going to be in, the, 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 a, a starched linen and a wine list really just will not beat the, this element yeah. of, of, of taking something this pure, yeah. cooking it. So you're cooking it in, 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 a, in a bit of seawater with a couple of forage plants and eating it meters away from where you picked it yeah. so you just get this sense of place this sense of of, of where you are it, it's more than just the food it's it's you know it's the whole experience yeah well, that's a, that's a beautiful note to end on thank you so much for coming to chat My to us pleasure. it's been an absolute pleasure having you honestly i could bore you all day with this stuff <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for listening to the olive podcast for recipes and more information head to olivemagazine.com do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.